This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm so glad that you're here, and today I have a great guest. Her name is Sheila, and Sheila is here really to just share her story. So thank you, Sheila. Thank you for being here, um, being brave, being courageous. <laughs> That's awesome. Is, I really appreciate it. It is very brave and courageous of me. So. <laughs> yeah, because I, I haven't shared my story with many people. Even, even those close to me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's so cool because it's unreal um, how, I mean, these stories are just so incredibly powerful for people, you know, to, yeah. they relate to something, they relate to you. So it's just great. So why don't you back us up way up and sort of start at the beginning? Okay. Well, um, let me start with saying that it's 18 months since I... <clears throat> Had my last sip of wine. Um, Beautiful. That's awesome. My Congratulations. Goal, um, my goal um, on my 65th year um, was that at, at the beginning of the year, I felt I wanted to be alcohol free um, and I wanted to be a really good example to my children on my 65th birthday. Um, and I feel I did it and I feel I've been as free as a bird ever since so it's been a wonderful feeling but let me sort of take you through my story um i feel i had a 45 year history you know with alcohol um i think it's been you know and it's been a very long haul um but i i feel it was you know i just feel really amazing now um and i feel incredible relief but obviously it is a very, you know, I did find it a hard, a hard transition. Um, but I have enormous thanks to you um, because I feel through that 45 years, um, you know, I, I had thought about several times about, I felt I was drinking too much and I should stop. Um, you know, I, I read some books through the years. I even, um, after, so my mother passed away seven years ago. I even went, met with my physician um, to share with her. I thought I was drinking too much, but it was really interesting. You know, she asked me what I, how much I was drinking. I just said, you know, two to three glasses of wine a night, but she felt that wasn't bad. And she sort of said that, you know, just don't worry about it. But then I had some... I did some counseling too, and it was interesting, even the counselor felt I didn't have a problem, and there was no reason why I should sort of stop, you know, stop drinking my wine. So, you know, there I was, you know, but anyway, um, you know, I so I still, I didn't have any reason not to drink wine. I feel well, I've gone to the experts, they feel everything's okay. You know, and how are how are you feeling? Like, what were the triggers for you that were like, you know, I the little thinking, alert lights? I would be. It was the traditional story. I would be. Um, the evening would be a bit of a blur. Um, I would wake up at two and three in the morning, um, feeling anxious. 
you know, frustrated with myself. You know, I was feeling depressed in the morning because, again, I thought I'd fallen into that trap of every night I would say, well, I'm not going to have wine tonight. And it, it was that vicious, vicious um, cycle. So, um, you know, that that's where I was. But, you know, basically my history is, you know, I, I was raised in England, but you know, I moved here 30 years ago from England. Um, and in England, you know, it was very much the accepted thing. Dinner, a Sunday dinner or an evening wasn't a special meal unless you had wine, you know, with dinner. And in England on a Sunday lunch, you would have sherry before dinner, you would have wine with, with dinner, and then you would have an after dinner drink. So that was at lunchtime on Sundays. So it was sort of culturally your life didn't feel complete without it. So I think I had my first sip of wine when I was maybe eight or nine, you know, it was sort of a grown up thing to do. You know, your, your parents and grandparents would introduce you to wine. So you really felt, you know, that it was the thing to do. Now, the interesting thing, when I first moved here 30 years ago, especially here in the Midwest, I'm in Dublin, Ohio, um, wine wasn't part of the culture here when I first moved over 30 years ago. So I can remember going out for dinner with friends and I remember thinking it was strange because they were drinking iced tea and water and, and so culturally I, it, that felt very, you know, very different. But obviously, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, things have changed. You know, and I just think that's where the alcohol, you know, you so you do so well in your book at explaining how, you know, the industry has just sort of programmed us all to thinking it's sort of the norm, really, to be having, mm -hmm. you know, alcohol, you know, in your life. It seems to be, most people think that's what you need to be happy. You know, it needs mm -hmm. to be part of the program. But so anyway, I, I started now, obviously, in my young years, I could maybe take it or leave it. Um, but, you know, I feel I'm, as I look back, maybe in my 30s was when I would start drinking most days. Um, but always it was just maybe a glass of wine with dinner and things like that. But I think 15 years ago, I became aware that Really, I was having that two to three glasses and generous glasses. I mean, I think, um, you know, I mean, a, a normal glass of wine or an average glass of wine should be four ounces. Now, how many of us? And that was the other thing in England. Um, your wine glasses were much smaller. Mm. Um, where now you get these huge, huge goblets. So I feel... You know, before I stopped drinking, I was having three very large glasses of, of wine a night. So if you look at that, that's possibly, you know, three quarts of a bottle, which, you know, for me, that was far too much. Um, it's, I feel it's been a lonely journey because, mm. you know, I'm, I'm definitely, um, you know, as I look around me, everybody else still drinks wine. And I think my, my husband was aware that I was struggling some because, you know, some mornings I would just say, we just can't do this. You know, we've got to have some nights off. 
Um, but of course he loves his wine. So to this day, he still pours his wine every night and he pours me a sparkling water and is very happy to do that. But I don't think he really understands the struggle um, it's been. Um, and I, you know, I read your book first in, um, in the fall of 16. And, um, you know, a lot of what you write about for the first time made sense to me. It gave me the education that I had really sort of labeled myself as an alcoholic. And I hated that label. Um, and, um, but then I realized with your education that, you know, it really wasn't my problem. It, it was just that, you know, the, the addiction of the wine itself. Um, you know, and, and I think as I, as I read your book, you know, the first time I had a little bit of success, but then Christmas came, New Year came, and then I read your book again in January of last year. And I just think, I just really, the, the light switched on. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do it. Um, and I did take your video um, course too. And I don't think I could have made it without the video course too. Um, I think listening, the you know, I would, the first thing I would do every morning is listen to a, a new topic that you had in the videos. And I just think, you know, that seemed to just set me up for the day and just made me feel, you know, I could do it. Um, and I just haven't looked back since, you know, obviously the first, you know, the first week or two are possibly the hardest. And mm -hmm. you definitely, you know, you definitely have to, you know, when that, when that sort of urge comes, you sort of have to really rationalize with yourself and, you know, make sure you really have that goal, you know, why am I doing this? Um, and um, so I, I've really never looked back. So thank you, thank you. And um, I wish I was brave enough to share my story more with the family. And I do, you know, my daughter, for example, you know, she knows I've read your book. And, um, you know, my husband does too. And, you know, but it's just interesting. They're not ready at this point to make any changes. Um, and it's not that any of us really overdo it. You know, I was never falling over, falling over drunk every night. I mean, it was just, I'm sure I was mellow and happy after three glasses, but I still know for me, it wasn't what I wanted in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and it was still hard to sort of let go. But basically that's, you know, where I am, um, since I stopped, um, stopped drinking wine, it, it gave me, I've really been into health and nutrition. And I think I shared with you, um, I took the, you know, I, I'm a health coach and I'm trying to decide what I do with that. My burning passion is I feel, um, I would like to help other people, you know, with, um, I might lose charge here. I mean, I hope I don't. 
um, <laughs> it's telling me I'm ten percent. So I'm just trying to see if I can talk. Um, so you know, I was encouraged to become a health coach, and I really would like to sort of help other people who um, are struggling, you know, with with their glass of wine every night. And I think there's a lot of people in my generation and my age that especially on retirement they fall into those happy hours at 4 30 i'm sure it's not doing their health any good and if people are ready and willing i would love to be able to sort of encourage and be supportive because i think that was the thing i thought it was such a lonely road mm -hmm. and yes i had you i had the videos i obviously I had I used to um, go onto your website and read that every day. Um, I find now I don't you know occasionally I go online and reach out to someone if I feel they need support, but it's a very lonely road, I think, because there's still a lot of stigma attached. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but certainly. Basically, you know that's sort of where I am. Um, you know, I hope I'm a good example for my children and as time goes by, when I get the right moments, you know, I do talk to my daughter how much better I feel and how, you know, alcohol is a slippery slope um, because I just feel, um, you know, I haven't given my children the education they need. Because mm -hmm. you know, when they were in their formative years and those early teens, it was such an accepted thing for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they felt it was a very sort of accepted. Um, and especially for young mothers, you know, they talk about their mummy juice and you know, it's sort of just sort of interesting now being on the sidelines, sort of listening to it all. Um, but that's where I am. So um oh, that's very very cool. It's awesome. I was at a, there's a restaurant near us. It's like kind of on the highway. So it's in a gas station, actually. It's like nothing around it. You pull off, there's a gas station and a Mexican restaurant. And there was a sign there. We had lunch there a few days ago. And there was a sign outside of it that said, um, come in for your morning Corona with your breakfast burrito. And I was like, <laughs> what? It was so bad. And I was thinking too, okay, if you're picking up a breakfast burrito, you're obviously driving to work. Like that's what you do is you stop at the gas station to pick up your breakfast burrito to drive to work. And um, so there's no destination without driving besides that gas station on the side of the highway. And I just thought, wow, this is the level that it's gotten to with you know, promotion, like, well, where else can we sell this? Okay, let's start to pair things like beer with breakfast burritos, you know, I mean, yeah, let's start to put, and, um, like and you were I've, talking about the, I've even noticed, I mean, for example, if you go into Target, you know, they, in our Target, in some of the shopping carts, they've even got a, a bottle of wine, um, sort of stamped onto the seat where you sit, sit a child. You know, it's sort of a picture of a wine bottle sort of lying down. I'm thinking uh, that's so sad. And even, um, I mean, and now I don't know if you've seen the um, wine that they do in the cans. They do sparkling wine now. And you see that in Whole Foods. 
you know, by the checkout, they've got those cans of sparkling wine and wine in cans. And it looks very attractive. You know, it's in pretty pink, pretty pink cans. And even I've been attractive, but luckily I'm aware because I think, oh, um, I mean, because I love sparkling water. That's been my savior, sparkling water with lemon. So I think, oh, they've got some nice sparkling, sparkling water in cans. But when you look at it closely, it's wine. Wow. And that, that thing about the Target, um, that's so disturbing because the only people opening the shopping cart to put the kid in are yes, the parents, mother. the mothers, yeah. right? And so it's, it's very specific. Somebody saying, shopping is stressful. Shopping with your kid is even more stressful. Let's make it already look like she's put a bottle of wine in here. And the subliminal message of don't you wish there was a bottle of wine here instead of your child? Like, yes. I mean, the whole thing, it, like, it, I'm obviously speechless because just coming from the industry and knowing what people who are in brainstorming that around the boardroom thinking, okay, well, let's look at other ways we can increase wine sales mm -hmm. and um, very specifically targeting parents and mothers even more specifically. It's just... Uh, it's just Sometimes it's just like, wow, disheartening. But I think that the only way um, out is often through. And I mean, that's certainly how it was for me. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have my own story. And I think about your, your family joining you and stuff. It's so often that uh, the people who drink the most end up getting out of it the soonest. And then people end up, they come, they will, because you know, you can't really sustain a lifetime of pretty heavy drinking. And so more and more people are waking up to this because no matter what the doctor says, the counselor says, other things that just kind of make me incensed because the question should be, well, how do you feel about it, Sheila? You know, yes. is it bothering you? Um, yeah. And that was my, I think the biggest disappointment for me. I mean, going to a physician, sharing that I felt I had a problem and then, then sort of telling me, no, you don't have a problem, everything's fine. You know, go home and enjoy your wine. I mean, I'm thinking what a thing for a family physician. I've since changed um, physicians. Um, and um, now I feel so good when a physician asks me, you know, you know, how much do you drink? And I can look them in the eye and say, you know, I just don't anymore. And it, it's a really, really good feeling. Yeah, um, I, that is a really, it's something, you know, really, it, it's a good feeling, not like a good feeling of getting, um, it's, a, it's a deep, good feeling, you know, a deep, wholesome, I am aligning with myself. Yes. And now I get to tell you. And I'm doing something really good for my health. I'm not just, you know, trying to eat well and exercise. Um, so I can, you know, be healthy. Hopefully, you know, I'm hoping I've got 30 years ahead of me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, well, it sounds like your mom lived a really long time. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I'm just hoping, you know, and I'm hoping I can somehow along the way help others. Um, and if I get an opportunity, you know, I, I do, um, you know, I mean, if, if you know, people will often say to me, you're looking really good, what are you doing? And I'll say, actually, I've stopped, I've stopped drinking. Um, 
you know, and they're always a bit curious and most of them say, well, I can never do that. Yeah. And I just said, well, your body tells you, you know, and you must always listen. If your body's telling you something, you know, listen to it. So <laughs> but we'll it is. See. It is an incredible beauty serum, that's for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. It takes years off of your life. I always see the before and after pictures in the um, groups, you know, and even just 30 days in, the difference is unbelievable. And like mm -hmm. a year in or 18 months in, it's just like night and day. And you can mostly see it in the eyes. You know, people are clear in their eyes. It's a yes. really cool thing. And then that's the other thing too. You can look yourself in the in the morning you can look in the mirror and you can smile and just you know just really appreciate you know what you're doing yeah and I think you talk about that in in your book too but your book's amazing um and you you know I and how I found it I don't know most like most people you just sort of scroll around on the internet and it was before it was published. Oh, um, good. Cool. You know, so it was the way I did it. I think it would have been through Kindle at the, at the time. Awesome. Um, but I since, well, as soon as you pub published the paperback, I did order a copy. And I've got it as part of my library. So if I ever feel the right moment to give it to someone, um, and I'm hoping one day my husband will read it. But And again, my husband doesn't. He doesn't overindulge, um, but I just know alcohol's got its hooks in him, just the fact yeah. he needs it every night. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, does your, so, does your husband... Um, he did for about a year after I stopped, and then he, uh, I had a kind of um, trump card a little bit because I, I said, I'm about to publish this book, so you have to read it because I talk about all sorts of stuff. I need to know that this is okay with you. And, um, and so he read it and then he was like, wow, that's really fascinating. He's like, I'm, I don't think I'm going to stop drinking. But then almost immediately he stopped regular drinking and then he would drink for, um, he has a group of friends, college friends, and they would go to football games together. So he'd have beers when they'd go to football games, like once or twice a year. And then that just ended too. So I think it's been about two years since he's had anything to drink. But he never yeah. once said it was very, it was very peaceful for him. He never once was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, join you or stop or anything like that. It was really just much more of a he read it and it just kind of worked on him, you know, and it just like stewed. And then every time he got offered a drink, eventually he just was like, yeah, I don't, I don't ever see the point anymore. So I think it was really cool. Yeah, and I do think the actual education of what alcohol really does to your body, um, I, I just think that's where your book really helps because it's just so factual. Um, yeah. And, you know, what it does to your brain, especially, and I think I was really touched when I read what it does to the young alcohol brain and how you talk about you know, the brain really isn't formed till you're in your early 20s. So can you imagine for me if I was drinking at about 15 and 16, you know, it's sort of a miracle. I am who I am. 
Yeah, the body's miraculous, that's for sure. Very resilient to all of this crazy stuff we do to it. Yes, yes. Well, this is great. So I always end um, the podcast with one question, which is, you know, if you could go back and, and talk to the Sheila who's going to her physician or her counselor and waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, had some fears of, I feel like I should be maybe looking at this, but I don't even know how. I mean, the, the response you said, that your friends say is so common people well i could never do that i mean that's the default belief that we have is mm -hmm. that i could never do that i i'm you know it, it would be too hard and it's not really actually so hard but we, if you could go back and talk to her and and just tell her what life is like for you now what would you say just that it's wonderful and that i feel amazing i feel free um and it's just so wonderful not to have to depend um you know on a on a drug like alcohol um you know just and um, you just wake up every morning feeling alive instead of waking up every morning feeling depressed and anxious and and beating yourself up um, so I wake up without any misgivings and just know I've got a good day ahead of me. It's um, beautiful. <laughs> and it just keeps getting better and better. I mean, I remember feeling really good at 18 months, but how I feel now, you know, four years in is like, it's like just better and better and better. So and because there are days when just occasionally, I mean, I would say if it happens once in three months, but just occasionally you feel that sort of monster just reappearing and, you know, you might be planning a nice special meal and you might think, wouldn't it be nice if I could have um, that glass of wine, you know, with this meal, but it, it, it lasts for a second because then I just sort of reflect back on this. Maybe it would be nice, but you know, it's really more the glamour of it. And that, that sparkling wine with lemon is going to be equally just as good. And then I yeah. have that fear of sliding down the slippery, the slippery slope. Um, and that's the thing is that, you know, you think, okay, that first few sips might be nice. Certainly there's that 20 minutes of a bit of a euphoric feeling, but that's followed by two to three hours of feeling quite uneasy, which we end up drinking more wine to counteract. Yes. And then it just starts this chain reaction of, you know, we're on the whole. Um, I was just actually speaking to a woman earlier this morning and she had gone seven months and then she just sort of drifted back into it. It was I always say there's two main ways that people drift back into drinking, either sort of celebration or commiseration. So they're celebrating something and that nice meal you're talking about, a birthday party, whatever, or it's something where they're stressed and they just feel like, oh, I just need this. And so they drift back into it somewhat mindlessly. And um, stopping again for people is really, really tough because what happens the whole method, this naked mind, as you are very well familiar with is to, overcome the unconscious conditioning and if you slip back into drinking during one of those two things it's a really nice time anyway so the wine tells your unconscious mind and your conscious mind yes this is fun but guess what you're right with your sparkling water and lemon it was equally as fun and that actually yeah. only lasted a few seconds that that thought 
Um, and then equally, if you slip back into it for stress, alcohol will numb you. And so you will feel a temporary relief from your stress, which will tell the, like, really, because your experiences are always, by far and away, the greatest influencer of your unconscious mind. There's nothing that I can say or that you can read that's going to influence as much as your experience. So in both those instances, you give in your subconscious an experience, and that's what hooks us in the beginning. It's an experience of, yes, this is true in the moment. It tells my mind something. But your mind doesn't process the fact that, oh, wait, now I feel bad 20 minutes later next morning. It doesn't connect those dots. It just says, okay, we did this thing and it felt good in the moment. And that's, that's kind of that, you know, it's your conscious mind that has to connect those dots and then be able to make that conscious decision so that you don't, you don't give that like directive to your subconscious that this is, this is a good thing or important thing. And so anyway, I was talking to this woman and seven months totally free, happy, so excited, and then just drifted back into it with, um, I think it was a birthday party. And she is just so struggling to stop again. And I think it's like really, you know, really be mindful. I only have to think back to those sort of that first week and I'm thinking, oh no, I'm not, not that I had shakes or crazy withdrawals but I'm still thinking I'm, I'm not I'm not ever doing that again yeah that's that's beautiful <laughs> but, um, I know so um, but, well thank uh, you so much Sheila it's just well, such an thank, honor to hear you thank story. you and thank you for all the good work you do and spreading the word and um yeah I just wish you you know success and um you know I'm sure your live groups that you're doing I mean I wish those had been available when I needed them because I would certainly have been part of those but the good thing is is I did it anyway so yes um, so. very strong that's awesome <laughs> well it's not necessarily I think that's what people talk about once you recognize alcohol for what it is it really is quite easy yeah um, but it's just getting your head right. <laughs> yeah. That thought. <laughs> getting so, your thinking right. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being being here, being courageous. This is just beautiful. And um, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful okay. day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.